Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, the 17th of December, 2020. At Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, we call our youth ministry Plants and Pillars. Now, where does that come from? Is that the product of some brainstorming session that our youth director Keegan had while uh, sipping coffee at some trendy coffee shop trying to think about what would be hip with the youths of today? Uh, No, it actually comes from a verse in the Bible. It actually comes from a verse that we're going to read today uh, in Psalm 144. And I think it's something that should get us all thinking and all praying about the next generation. And I think it's actually give us some interesting things to think about as we pray today. So we want to look first today at Psalm 144 verses 9 to 15. So we look at the second half of this psalm. Yesterday, we talked about David, talking about where his strength comes from. And even though he was this mighty man, a warrior, he clearly wasn't depending on himself. He was depending on the Lord. He was his rock, his fortress, his steadfast love, and all of these different things. But today, he he prays this prayer, and I'll pick it up in verse 12. And I want to just read verse verses 12 uh, through the end of the chapter. And it says, May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. Our daughters, like corner pillars, cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. So this is an interesting prayer because in many ways, it is a prayer for prosperity. I mean, he's saying, may our granaries be full. That's probably not something uh, that you think about a lot because you probably don't have a a granary uh, at your house. But hey, may our our pantries and our fridges uh, be full. You probably, I know some of you in our Uh, church or in this area might own some sheep or goats, but probably most of you listening don't. Um, May our sheep bring forth thousands, right? Hey, may may our portfolio bring forth thousands, Uh, you you know, help our investments to have a great return. May our cattle be heavy with young, you you know, hey, I I hope that we've got good, well-working cars that aren't breaking down or suffering a mishap, right? May there be no cry of distress in our streets, even there a cry for peace and, and prosperity in in society. So all of these things that we think about, um, you know, are things that it's like, that's interesting to pray for because we do look out at our culture and we see, unfortunately, churches and, and pastors and preachers or books that seem to be all about prosperity, right? Believe in God and give to my ministry and God will bless you, right? And, and it's unfortunate because that seems to be the point, right? The point is prosperity. We're, hey, I'm reading the Bible and that doesn't seem to be the point. The point seems to be the glory of God. Um, and, and even the gospel itself isn't just, hey, here's how Jesus can make your life better. The point of the gospel is God himself and we can be reconciled to God, our creator, our maker. Uh, that's what we want the point of the gospel to be about. So I think for some Christians, if you're listening to this podcast, um, we, we start 
you know, we're, we're uncomfortable with the, the idea of prosperity because we've seen how that has been tragically used and abused in our society. And so we read prayers like this and it's like, is it okay for me to pray for prosperity? Uh, is it okay for me to pray for a full pantry and a healthy bank account and a, you know, retirement account that, that's doing okay? Uh, what should we think about that? Well, let me make a few points uh, from this passage um, because I think it'll it'll help us understand some of these things. First, notice where that prayer that we read started in verse 12. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. And so again, that's where our church gets the name of its youth group from, Plants and Pillars. And when you think about those images, our son being like plants, full grown, our daughters like corner pillars. I mean, the, these are pictures of, of strength, right? Not a little, not, not, hey, let our son be a little sapling um, that you need to put those, you know, sticks next to to hold it up. No, a full grown plant. Our daughters like corner pillars. I mean, pillars are, are something strong holding up a house, right? I think there's also images even here of beauty, right? A plant, that's something that we plant because it makes wherever we're living, you know, look better or or even of provision, something productive. And you think of pillars, obviously in a palace, lots of times the pillars were an important structural element of the building, but also they were where the architect could show some flair. I mean, I mean, these were something that they would try to make beautiful as well. So it starts kind of with a, a prayer for this next generation to be strong, to be productive, to be beautiful, right? Right, All of these things. And so that's, I think, maybe a good place to start when we think about prosperity. Notice that it's not just an expression of greed. It's not just, hey, David wants comfort here. You know, it even starts with, man, I want to see the next generation grow up and be strong. And I think that would be a great thing for all of us to pray. Even today, I hope it's a reminder for you to play, pray for Plants and Pillars, specifically the youth ministry at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley. But many of you listening, you might have children yourself. You might have grandchildren. There might be people just in the next generation that you know, that you connect with, that you care about. And I think this should be a desire that every Christian has to see that next generation grow up and and be strong. And and so that's really, I want us to notice kind of some of these prayers for physical prosperity. Look at what they're surrounded by. First, on the front end, it's surrounded by a, a cry and a prayer for the strength and the productivity of this next generation, which I think is a good thing for us to pray. And, and then we get into some of these prayers for um, provision, for prosperity. And that's why I think those aren't necessarily bad things to pray for, uh, right? Because in a rightly ordered society, if, you know, look at the book of Proverbs, right? Hard work and faithfulness and even generosity is going to lead generally to more flourishing. So I think if we're praying for a generation that is hardworking, a generation that's grounded in their faith, a generation that's productive, that should lead then to provision. 
Uh, that's what we want to see. Or even later, it, it prays for no cry of distress in the streets, right? Uh, a, a society that is at peace will be more fruitful, will be more productive, will benefit the most possible number of people. People, and, and I think even notice all of the pronouns in this passage are plural. So David's not just crying out so he can get his, God bless me, I want all my stuff to be good. It it, it seems that this prayer is broader in scope. And even as a king, he's praying for the nation, right? God, I want to pray for the next generation. I do want to pray for prosperity in my nation because if people were doing the right thing, that's what it would lead to. Uh, So I think those are some helpful thoughts and I think thoughts that should guide our prayers. And then finally, look at how it all ends. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. So again, he's not just praying, God, I want every, I want my society to, you know, I want the stock market to go up or whatever. No, the, the bottom line, the underlying thing is I want these, this people to honor God. I, I want God to be the Lord of this people. And I think these are all good things to pray about our communities, our nation, right? We, we should be praying for the next generation. We should be praying for our society to work in a godly way like God had designed it where people can work and people can flourish. And, and that, that does lead to hopefully the most possible provision for people in our society, a society of peace. And most importantly, a society whose God is the Lord, a society where more and more people are seeking to honor God. So I would encourage you to take this passage and turn it into your prayer list today, that you'd be praying for the next generation, that you'd be praying for just God-honoring prosperity in your society. And these are good things for us to pray for. And I think we see kind of the opposite of this, the opposite of this God-honoring, prosperous, faithful society in some of the other passages that we're going to look at today. First, we go to the book of Obadiah. Now, this is, again, one of the minor prophets that you might not be very familiar with. It's only one chapter long, and it is not talking to Israel. It's not talking to Judah. It's talking to the nation of Edom. Now, these were descendants of Esau, and they inhabited an area that would have been across the Jordan and even kind of on the other side of the Dead Sea from uh, the nation of Israel or Israel and Judah. And this is a, a prophecy of pending judgment right? It is a warning. And obviously there's this graphic picture that's easy to, to think about where he, he's saying that, that, that judgment is coming in verse two. He says, behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. And so there, one physical site that's associated with the kingdom of Edom is a site that exists to this day, the city of Petra. Maybe you've heard uh, of this city where you you go in through this uh, kind of... uh, canyon that's very you know steep it's hard to to get into but then when you get in the, the buildings are built into the side of these cliffs and maybe even if you've seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade you know some of those scenes at the end were actually filmed on site in Petra you, you see this treasury building that's actually you know it's an outstanding piece of you know architecture and archaeology um, that we, people go and look at to this day but it was a very 
It gave a real sense of physical safety. Here we are in this canyon. They, they can't really come in and get us, and our buildings are literally carved into the side of the, of the rock. It led them to a false sense of security that God says, no, 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 that's not going to work. So I think even as we pray for our own society, do we want there to be a God-honoring work that leads to prosperity? Absolutely. Do we want there to be prosperity that leads to self-sufficiency and pride and a false sense of protection? Absolutely not. And so that's another thing we should pray for our own society today. And then obviously we see that the worst possible example of society when the way it should not be is we go to the book of Revelation where we finish chapter 16 today and look at verses 12 through uh, 21. And and here we're getting down to the very, very end, right? We we see literally the nations gathering together at this place called Armageddon, which if you think about the city of Megiddo there in Israel, this would be in the Jezreel Valley, which is, has been a battlefield in scripture throughout history. Um, it's kind of the grand central station really of Israel, this big valley where lots of the roads would converge. Um, and we know who's going to win that, that battle. And so we see now, even at the end, right, they, um, they're being judged. And even in the judgment of the final bowl, the people are cursing God, right? This is exactly what society should not be. But one verse I want to highlight uh, from this is verse 15, where you see uh, Jesus saying, behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. So there even we should uh, consider, we should think about our own personal lives. So even getting away from praying just for our nation, like we've been talking about, or even as we think about, you know, all the particulars of these bold judgments, what we need to look in the mirror and saying, am I staying awake? Are my garments on? Am I ready for the return of Christ? And that's something, again, as we think about, well, what should revelation mean to us, right? Even as it can be a difficult book to understand, it can be a book where there's different views on things. One thing we should all be clear on is I need to be ready. I need to be walking in holiness, ready for the return of my master. I want when he returns to be found ready by him. So that's a good thing that we should be thinking about and examining our own lives. Is there anything I'm doing in my life right now that I would be ashamed of? If Jesus came back today. Uh, Finally, we look at John 18 verses 12 through 24. And here now Jesus has been arrested. His, you know, really sham of a trial is beginning. We see Peter deny him for the first time. But the one thing I want to highlight here is when they start questioning Jesus about his teaching, Jesus answered them in verse uh, 20. He answers the high priest, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And obviously there are times where Jesus was saying things to his disciples, not in front of crowds. But the point Jesus is making here is he he wasn't giving them some secret, uh, you know, secret revelation. He was open. And we've seen that in John. He was open about his identity. Yeah, he, he was making it clear and they understood. They were picking up rocks to stone him for blasphemy. His message was clear enough to the people. And some of that extends to this day. We're not preaching some secret thing and we're not trying to keep the word to ourselves. No, Jesus has spoken openly through his word that has endured to this day. And he has called us to proclaim that message. 
I hope we're praying that more people respond to the clear teaching of the gospel and that we are being faithful to get that word out there. After all, that is the commission that our king has given us. And when he does come back, we want to be found ready. But even then, as we wait for the return of Christ and even expect that it could be happening any time, we should keep praying for our society. We should pray for the next generation to be plants and pillars. We should be praying uh, that our nation is a nation that, that's, that God is our Lord. We should be praying for a real revival from the Bible. Uh, thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.